There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hope everybody is staying safe with Hurricane Ian approaching. And uh, we're going to try to bang out a few of these podcasts for you while you're doing whatever it is, preparing your house or, or you know, making precautions and all of that. But we want you to get your mailbag questions in so that we can uh, answer them, some of those for you. You can do that by sending them to us on Twitter, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Get those to us now before perhaps some of our power <laughs> runs out. Let's like hope not. I'll tell you, this, this, this hurricane thing, You know, the thing about it, Steve, is we, we, we would not ever want a direct hit on any community, much less the Tampa Bay with, with all our waterways and, and all of that. The worst part of it is if you sit there and wait and, and keep the news on, uh, you know, and Jim Cantori's like broadcasting from your front door, like that part is more stressful to me than the actual storm. It, it really is. And, and, you know, look, you've lived here your whole life. Mm-hmm. I've been here for 12 years. Yeah. This is for our region. This is the scariest storm I've seen coming. Really? I, I don't know if it'll end up being that way. Yeah. But the way I thought Irma was pretty darn scary. I mean, that was going to possibly hit as a four. It was. It was, it was but, Category 5 in the Gulf. But. but the way this one's hugging the coast, mm. which is what creates all the storm surge. That's true, yeah. And, and you know, when it hits Tampa Bay, it's, it's projected at this point to be a, a three. Right. But Sarasota, Bradenton area, it's a four. Yeah, and but it's hugging the coast, and you know if it if it's ten or twenty miles outside the coastline, it's bad. If it's thirty or forty, it's a lot better. I mean, mm-hmm. just that it doesn't take much to make this really bad storm surge for the area. Yeah, that's true. That and part it's is supposed true. to slow down as it hits Tampa Bay. Yeah, which, and that that is really bad because it just mm-hmm. beats up the coastline with with all kinds of uh, water and waves and things like that. Well, with this storm surge. It's going to go through two high tides and two low tides, and that's bad mm. because mm. it's going to slow down. Right. And so, you know, your your hope is, and, and as all the meteorologists have said, is it keeps pushing west, and there's some there's some heavy shear coming off. So if it were to go yeah, west shear, and head the to the shear panhandle. The supposed to knock it down, yeah. If it, if it goes west and goes to the panhandle, they say it may only be a tropical storm when it hit land. Oh, wow. That's how much of that shear is coming down, but it's not going to be there before Tampa Bay. Yeah. At least that's what I've gotten from from Dennis Phillips and Paul Delegato, and and you know I try to watch them all. Yeah, um, I, I, we have some great meteorologists in this town. We, we really do. do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and but this one, and you know I used to run WFLA radio, so I would be tuned into this, and I covered some hurricanes in Birmingham and that. This one for Florida seems to be this. It may not be the worst one since I've been here. Um, I wasn't here in '04 and '05. Mm-hmm. For all those storms, right? Uh, but this one just just the, the the just how it's hugging the coast just is not good for the storm surge for anybody that lives anywhere near the coast. I mean, I, I'm far enough inland 
for my house and family where, you know, I don't have a storm surge problem. I mean, wind and, and rain and, you know, anything loose, trees falling are, are problems and power. But uh, if, you're, if you're along the, the coast or anywhere near the water, the bay, that area, this one could be scary. Yeah, I agree. Um, listen, and a lot of people live in Florida, and I've always wanted to live on the water. I never have, but there's always one or two times a year where I'm glad I didn't, and this is one of them because those storms would frighten me, and I know a lot of people that have to evacuate their homes, and that's it's a very you know emotional thing. I mean, imagine you know you can't pack up everything you take with you, maybe some some valuables or some photos or things like that on the off chance that you do get flooding or you get a direct hit or something like that. Um, but it's it's a very uh, emotional thing to have to to have to leave your home and go somewhere else and ride it out somewhere else and and then wonder you know what you're coming back to and a lot of people that live on the coast with these big hurricanes hit don't have much to come back to and you know so so it's going to be some you know some very scary times uh, in nervous days I just hope you know, like everybody else that, that we have, you know, a minimal impact, whatever that means. But you're right. If it, if it spins out there, slows down, batters the coast, um, works its way sort of up the west coast of Florida, it can impact so much of, of the, of the entire state. And it's, it's large enough that if it were to go even further east, it could, I mean, the whole, the whole storm could cover the state from coast to coast. It's, it's a large hurricane. And, you know, we don't know what ultimately what it'll be, you know, category three, four or five, whatever. Um, but it's a large enough hurricane to be to take every precaution. And I think I think people are, you, you know, when you live here, as long as I have and they haven't taken a direct hit, you do get a false sense of security. You know what I mean? But if I lived anywhere on the coast, I'm evacuating. The one thing you can't do is try to ride it out on the beaches or, you know, where there's going to be that storm surge and all that flooding. Um, you just can't do it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage anybody to try to attempt that because you could get really, really hurt or killed, and nobody wants that. But the, you know, it could be a mess here. The power outages uh, are going to be significant, especially in St. Petersburg, where uh, my mom lives, and we've got her out of there for this storm. But they have a lot of overhead wires instead of the underground with some of the new construction in different parts of the Tampa Bay area. So all that gets knocked down by trees, by branches, all this stuff. So, you know, it, it's going to be um, very nerve-wracking, and hopefully we, we avoid the brunt of it. I remember 04, and somehow we got on hurricane coverage, but why not? It's on everybody's mind. I remember 2004. The Bucks have been involved in a couple of, of hurricane decisions, really. Um, back in 2004, Charlie was headed right for Tampa Bay. And even though Charlie came ashore, I think as a Category 1, it was a strong little powerful category one like it wasn't didn't have the bands of showers like like uh, this one has like Ian does but the winds were real significant and I remember it was about 50 miles off the coast and headed right for Tampa Bay and everybody was you know predicting the apocalypse and all of that Uh, and then it turned three degrees I remember this specifically it was a three degree turn um, a little bit to the west before it got or to the east, I'm sorry, before it got to Tampa. And that was about a difference of about 100 miles. And so instead, it it washed ashore up around Captiva and Punta Gorda and destroyed a good part of those coastal communities. And then 
churned its way through Central Florida. And the irony of this, that whole thing, when the Bucks in '04 they were training in in, in Lake Buena Vista at Disney's Wide World of Sports. That was their that was their training camp home. And so they were over at Disney, and they were staying at the Celebration Hotel, not far from Lake Buena Vista. And because the storm was barreling down to Tampa, they canceled practice one day, and Gruden's let the players and the coaches go back to Tampa, you know, to to make sure their property was you know, battened down and all that, and then invited whatever players, families, or you know, wives, children, pets, whatever, to come back to the training facility to to the area of, of Central Florida and stay, you know, with them at the hotel, at the Celebration Hotel and all that. And many or most of the players did just that. They came back home, secured their homes, they brought their families back to the hotel. That hurricane passed directly over Celebration. And they were in the basement, if there is such a thing, ever the lowest floor, I guess you'd say, because it can't dig very far in, in Florida. But they were down there as the as the hurricane passed over them. And there was significant damage to trees and things like that. So they actually went into harm's way. And it just shows you sort of how unpredictable everything is. And then the last hurricane, which was, what, 2017, I think, Irma, uh, which was a big storm, and it was scary, and Jim Cantore was standing on the, you know, in, in on, you know, Franklin Street or something like that in Tampa. Um that one scared everyone, and for good reason. Uh, enormous, powerful, powerful storm that, again, was headed right towards Tampa Bay. So, you know, my family went to Chicago. I got everything secured or as secure as I could make it. And the Bucks were supposed to play the Dolphins. It was week one in the NFL season. Mm-hmm. And they were going to play the Dolphins. Well, as fate would have it, it was an easy decision because – the NFL looked at the schedule and saw where they both had the same bye week in November. And so they said, eh, easy enough. Your bye week, Miami and Tampa Bay, will be week one. <laughs> and so that meant they had to play 16 straight games with no time no time in between. But they, they gave them the bye week, and so they were off as Irma passed. And it, and it also avoided a direct hit with Tampa Bay. Kind of went south here and, and kind of inland. Um and the problem was is that okay, say so the Bucks decided to help get families and and teammates and everything out of harm's way. They chartered a plane to Charlotte, to North Carolina, and a bunch of players and coaches, whatever, took them up on it. So they went to North Carolina. It wasn't mandatory; it was just available to them. And then you know, for those that were in flood zones, whatever. And then some other players decided, well, I'm not staying here, but I'm going to get in my car. And I'm going to drive up to Georgia or Alabama or Louisiana, whatever. Uh, And so many of those did that. The problem was when the storm did miss, sort of, it was impossible to get home. Now, they had a charter flight that brought their group home. But then you had a bunch of players that were trying to drive back, and there was no gas because everybody had hoarded all the gasoline, thinking that we were going to be without power and nobody would have gas. And so their their cars are running out of gas on I seventy five, and they're calling in saying, "Where do I, where do I get gas?" Well, I I've evacuated to Charlotte for that storm too. I have family there. Yeah. And driving back, there was like Georgia, all the gas stations were closed. Yeah, exactly. Like, and if there was a station on I seventy five or somewhere that had it, the lines were two and three miles long. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, Mike, I can't sit here. It was you know very hot. It's September, so then the Bucks 
were to host the Chicago Bears the next week. But the week after that, they were playing at Minnesota. And so thinking that maybe their facility would be unusable or maybe they wouldn't be able to play a game they didn't really know. Um, but they did know that, in the case of Irma, that it, it, there might not be much left to to come back to. So their contingency was they were going to go to the University of Minnesota and because that was the third game they had was at Minnesota. And they thought, well, we can hunker down up there and play the Vikings after the Bears because um, they may have to move the game to Chicago, whatever, if the stadium's flattened or the you know too much emergency service. And that's what happens is the emergency service people are all required to you know do hurricane relief and you don't have enough to really operate an NFL game, even if there's no damage to the, to the stadium. Well, and the league and the um, team doesn't want to take those resources away from the community. It, there you go. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's, it's one, the community really can't afford to do that, but the team doesn't want to be that taking those resources mm-hmm. away from the community when, you know, the community needs help. Right. Right. And so, you know, all the guys that were trying to come back, it was just, it was kind of a mess, but they were going to go to Minnesota, um, stay there. And then and play the game, um, and I, thinking that well they're going to close the Tampa airport. And my family was in Chicago. I hopped a plane to Chicago because so I thought well if they're going to Minnesota, I'd have a much easier time from Chicago getting there. But no, 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 the hurricane missed. Thank goodness, and at least the brunt of it. And the hard part again was trying to get back home on a flight. I ended up going through Orlando, but those flights were booked, expensive. People all trying now to get back in the state. It was, it's always disruptive and. You know, Tom Brady on his podcast, as we finally get to the Bucks, said that, um, you know, this is could be used as an excuse. Like, they're going to go through a bunch of adversity here. You know, they're going to have to practice somewhere else, sleeps on the road, um, kind of like they were, you know, not doing joint workouts, but sort of like that uh, when they're, you know, going through their preparations for the Kansas City Chiefs. And then they don't really know where they're going to play the game. They're hopeful that they can play it, you know, Sunday at Raymond James, but it might get moved you know, down there to Miami. We we just don't know exactly what's going to happen. But it's a it's a big week. They're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. And you've you've got to prepare. And when you're in a week of preparation it's it's, you know, very heightened uh you know, stress levels and they're coming off a loss and all that and, and now, you know, they gotta to bond together and be together and just gonna be different. It's adversity. It's a lot of adversity you don't normally deal with in a regular season. So, you know, Brady um talked about it and you know, he said he got his house secure and all of that, but he's never seen anything like this. I mean, in New England, you know, not not too many hurricanes, I would think. Do we know which house he has secure? <laughs> well, no. I, I mean, I do know, but I, it's not it's not the Jeter Mansion. I can tell you that. Well, no, they're about ready to demolish that one, but yeah, which is incredible that that that's happening. But that's another story. But yeah, no, he's out there still on Davis Islands, and you know, he said he had to get some stuff uh, from the outside, which we all do. Um. But, yeah, we'll see. You know, the Bucks are going to go down there. They've invited the families and the wives, as I said, and the children if they want to get out of harm's way, much like they did in the other hurricanes. So that's very generous of the Bucks. And then, you know, if the, if the game's not going to be Sunday night, they'll have to flex another game for NBC for Sunday night football. So that could occur as early as today. Or, you know, the plan for the NFL is let's just ride this out a little bit. Let's wait a couple days. We still want to play the Sunday night game on NBC on in Tampa Maybe it'll stay out to sea. Maybe it'll come ashore, you know, north, uh, way north of here. Like, you know, just waiting to see sort of what the damage assessment is. Um, 
but it's uh yeah it's 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 unfortunate it's a scary thing and that's what brady said he goes you know you you hear about these hurricanes and then you're facing one and it's kind of it's kind of scary we had a chance to talk to todd bowles about this failed two point you know conversion attempt that wound up actually being the difference in the football game and he, he had some interesting sort of take on it and they're asking the league to review some stuff and then also you got to hear the story about the game day operations staff and i can only imagine the meeting they had with todd bowles on monday afternoon we'll get into that in just a second but first uh you know check out may electric solar we're we're talking about your electric and of course you know it's going to remain hot outside for the foreseeable future hopefully your electric stays on um, but here's something you can do to lower your electric bill, and that is May Electric Solar. They've been in the business for 12 years. Um, they've been installing solar electric systems. Uh, there's a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar guarantees their work with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That's what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products. It conducts on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install, and get this. They don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who is doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long and preserve the quality of your life and the quality of your appliances through every storm season. May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. All right, I'm not sure we got much more of an explanation as to exactly what went wrong or who was responsible for what went wrong for the delay of game penalty on the two-point conversion. However, there's been a little bit of a controversy brewing about this play, and it stems from the fact that everyone who watched the game apparently saw that the play clock started at 20 seconds and not 25. And you know, typically for for a play like that, it would be at 25 unless, and this is not insignificant, unless if, you know, the play before it, it, of course, has to be a scoring play. And if that's under review from upstairs and inside of two minutes, it can only be reviewed from upstairs. Then they will put the clock at 40 seconds and then they will start to run it down and then they'll, they'll put a pause on it at 20. And that pause is there, uh, and then, you know, once they clear you to snap the ball, you've got 20, not 25 seconds. And so teams have known that this is going to be the case, and there was more than ample time for them to go over, call a play, whatnot, and get it off. You know, you watch the replay, and Tom Brady, with about 9 or 10 seconds, is trying to get Cole Beasley to move closer, you know, to the line of scrimmage, to the formation, uh, and towards the tackle. And so he's directing traffic. He gets down to about four, and everybody seems set. And now he's clapping his hands, you know, basically saying, hey, you know, snap the ball, right? I mean, that that's what you needed to do. You needed to get the clocks in front of you. Robert Haynes, he needed to be aware that it's running down and that ball has to be snapped. They didn't get the playoff. I think it would have been a successful run by Fournette. Who's to say? Uh, but then, of course, they move him back to the seven and they throw incomplete and the game is over. But, you know, we've said this, like, this is professional football. Like, that should never happen. And Bowles said on Monday, we've all played the game long enough to know 
that there's really no excuse. Like the ball has to be snapped, you know. And yet, I know Brady was going, you know, through some plays that he was changing. Um, I always felt like Fournette was supposed to be the guy to get the ball, but I think they might have had a pass play called originally, and he was checking off to it, making sure his offensive lineman kind of knew everything that was going on. So I I understand sort of you know how it happened, but man, like it's just it's hard to believe you can lose a game. And you know Brady said on his podcast that I was listening to Monday night, he was like, you know, you really don't spend a whole lot of time. Um, sort of re rehearsing two point plays like it's not you know there's a lot of situations in your in your play sheet right because normally it's just you're going for two right maybe you missed an extra point early in the game um whatever uh but but it, what rarely is it like you either make this two point and go into overtime where the game is over on the last play and that's sort of what it what it came down to um I don't know that Bowles will get an explanation. He thinks, you know, one time it was 25 seconds on the clock and then the next time it was 20. I, I think we've explained why it was run down to 20 and halted and then and then went on after that. Bottom line, professional football, professional sports, get the ball snapped. That cannot, cannot happen. Well, and on the touchdown, they almost had a delay. They, they well. did, yeah. Essentially, the clock ran out. I mean, yeah, it was at zero when he snapped it. That's right. But you get that extra. The official has to see it hit zero. Then he looks to see if it snapped yet. Yeah. And then throws the flag. And, you know, it was within that split-second window. Which is an odd system when you consider the NBA has had a shot clock for years, and what do they do? The red light either comes on and the ball's in your hand, or it's not. Right? Well, but we're still dealing with a sport that brings out a chain that's 10 (laughs) yards long to to measure, you know. Two old men in a striped shirt with a chain and two poles is how we determine who's going to keep their jobs at the end of the year. Well, and we have a pile-up tackling the runner, and we know exactly where the ball was when he went down, so that's where we're going to play. Yeah, right. Oh, sure we do. (laughs) Yeah, and we know when it crosses the goal line because, well, either the camera tells us or not, you know. Far be it from them to, I don't know, join the new millennium and, and put a, you know, a chip in the ball that would tell you whether or not it crosses the plane without really materially affecting the, the football itself. I mean, they've been doing this in tennis for years. I mean, how many matches Soccer have you has seen? It. Soccer has it, too. Soccer the has it. The goal line. Yeah. I mean, baseball could execute that little strike zone if they wanted to tomorrow. They are in the minors right now. Yeah, so I mean, everybody is using technology to their advantage to get plays right, but no, 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 no. Let's stretch those chains out, babe. <laughs> so it, it's just it, it was frustrating, and and here's the one that was really bizarre. And I had to go back and listen to the interview because you know we're trying to write stories and get downstairs and talk to players. Apparently, Aaron Rodgers was interviewed on the field after the game, and among the things he said was. Look, I I noticed something that probably shouldn't have been on there on the Jumbotron, but it was a shot of their sideline. Now, they're actively trying to call a two-point play to win the game. When Rodgers looks up at the scoreboard and sees something, he says, that alerts him to something that the Bucks are about to prepare to do, and then he relays that to his head coach, uh, LaFleur, who then obviously must have told Joe Barry, but can you imagine how that and, – and so we asked Bowles about it, and it was probably around 12, 15, 12, 30, uh, about 
this report that, you know, it, you know, basically whatever you ran, it's hard enough to score anyway, but whatever you ran might have been tipped off in some way by this the scoreboard camera. And he goes, yeah, you know, as far as the game day staff goes, yeah, we're we're meeting with them later today. I can't imagine how that went, you know. Hey, is there a reason why on while we're sitting here trying to pick the play to tie the game after all the struggles we've had that your camera is even pointed at our sideline, much less the play sheet or the conversations or reading lips or whatever that seemed to tip Aaron Rodgers and his guys off? That it, it could not have gone well. That If that person is still employed, I'm shocked by it. Well, I guess the question is what was on the scoreboard? What were they showing? I don't know. And and I don't then, know that then, you could show something that what would was alert seen. It. I mean, you know, unless it was, you know, they, they try to hide signs or, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I wasn't at the game, so I have no idea what was on the scoreboard at that point. Right. It's just bizarre to me that, A, you can glean any information at all from it. Well, and, here's the thing. Every team in the NFL now is going through this this week. Oh, yeah. They're all going to their staffs and saying, don't you shoot the sideline when we're trying to make a play selection for the game. You know? But, yeah, it's a, definitely a warning shot. Just kind of a bizarre – just that whole sequence was really weird. You know? And, and Brady's like, look, you know, the funny thing is, as badly as they played, and they were awful, uh, and they only scored their third, you know, offensive touchdown of the season – but if they'd have gotten that two-point conversion, won the coin toss, and won, I'm telling you it would have been the more dramatic wins they've had under Brady. You know? And that's kind of what he was thinking about, I guess, on his drive home was, you know, sort of like it's about being in the arena. It's about, you know, there were 70,000 people. It was an NFL or a Raymond James record crowd of just under 70 even. And he's like, you know, you're thinking about the game, and you're just like, hey, just feel good grateful i can go back out here again and he's healthy and you know of course now he's got to go through miami to do this but um you take the losses hard the wins you 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 feel relief as opposed to celebration you kind of just feel relieved and then you know the losses are are really hard to get over but they got to get over it because they got a lot of adversity ahead of them well here's the thing and and granted this week didn't get easier because of hurricane ian yeah we don't know what the game's going to look like on sunday Right. But if you can beat the Chiefs, you'll have gone through the gauntlet of at Dallas, at New Orleans, Green Bay at home, Kansas City at home, and you'd be 3-1. Yeah. and one. I think 3-1 and one is exceptional. You would take that, no, even though the offenses looked putrid at times. Right, right. If you said, told me through the first four games of this season they're 3-1, and one, I'd take it every day. Every day and twice on Sunday, man. I mean, that is, that is really impressive. Um, to play those teams. Now, here's what I don't know. And uh, and as we're doing this, the Cowboys are kind of scuffling with the Giants right now. I don't know how good Dallas is. I mean, certainly without Dak, they're not very good. Mm-hmm. They weren't very good with them on opening night. But I, I, I don't I just don't know. Like I don't know if they're any good. I don't I don't think they are. And then the Saints? The Saints, I thought they were they were everybody's darling to make it to the NFC championship game and maybe even win the Super Bowl. Eh I don't know, man. I don't see it. Well, I know who the quarterback is, and, and those teams probably aren't that good right now because that's the only way that the Bucks are in these games with their offense playing as poorly as they are. I mean, the defense has played well, but but it, but they've know. gotten some help. If you were playing the the teams that are playing the best in the NFL now, you'd have been blown out, even with a great so. defense. 
I think so. I mean, the offense is going to have to figure something out. Oh, yeah. Because it's not good. Now, you know, you didn't have Evans, Jones, or Godwin last week. Correct. You know Evans is back this week. That's right. We'll see about the with fresh legs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they still got to figure out a second running back. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because we, you know, I wrote a column uh, in the Sunday's uh, Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com that essentially says, look, you're going to run Leonard Fournette in the ground. Like, two things are going to happen. One is you're not going to have him when you want him in December and January. Um, But two, and this is already happening, he's not going to be as productive because everybody knows that you're just trying to ride this horse. Like, you know, he's touching the ball so many times that all we got to do is gang up on, on Leonard Fournette and hope they don't throw it over our heads. But, man, I mean, Lenny has played so hard these last two weeks, has nothing to show for it, nothing. Poor rushing average. You know, had the 127 yards in the first game. Um, and I'm sorry, but you used the draft pick on Rashard White, and you thought enough of him and his maturity that you compared him to Chris Godwin in terms of the kind of guy he was, how, how it mattered to him, how was, you know, studious he was, all of that, got into his playbook. Um, and then, you know, you get into the regular season. He played a lot in the preseason. He made a lot of plays. You know, he had that little bit of Le'Veon Bell running style and all of that, could catch the ball. And so you're thinking, okay, well, there's a guy that could at least be maybe their third down back, or he could be that receiver you split out wide or, or what have you. But none of that go, transpires. You stick with Lenny, and you keep running the guy, and keep running the guy, and he's not productive anymore. And I mean, they, for that matter, Keyshawn Vaughn was active, and all Keyshawn Vaughn did when Lenny, Leonard Fournette had a pulled hamstring last year in the playoff game against Philadelphia is he stepped in and went off, played great, you know, helped him through that game. And, and Leonard Fournette was grateful he got to play the next week. But I don't get it, man. I mean, what are these guys on the roster? And finally, finally, Bull said today, he goes, well, yeah, we got to play him. Like, there's no excuse. Like, we got we to gotta play him. There's no excuses not to play those guys. No, it's a 17-week season. Right. And, and, you know, there's very few running backs that can be a bell cow and just do it all. Mm-hmm. In the, the way the league is today. It just it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. And if, look... If Rashad White isn't ready, okay. But now you start to worry. I mean, Jason Light and his staff has done a tremendous job drafting guys the last four or five seasons. Yeah. Maybe six. And and, and you can just go through a lot of the draft picks of how well they've done. But maybe they've whiffed on both running backs. With Keyshawn I mean, it's possible, White. but I just don't I don't have a sample yeah. size. Well, you know I, what I mean? Like, they loved him, and I'm not exactly – they loved him in training camp. Mm-hmm. They loved him in the joint practices. They loved how he was assignment ready and, and all of that. And then we get in the regular season, and it's like there's no trust. Well, is that Byron Leftwich or is that Tom Brady? I think it's Brady or both. You know, I mean, Brady's not making the substitutions, but, we, you know, we know yeah. what he knows. Well, but the, he, they he talked said, about you know, it during the week. Him and Byron are talking, going, hey – I oh, trust Leonard sure. in this play. I don't trust him doing this. For or sure. This, you know, I mean, Brady may not be in the game going, don't put him in. But yeah. they've had the conversations during the week. I mean, right. if Todd Bowles is saying we've got to play them, that means that I don't, I don't like the decision being made. I don't like the decision yeah. that's been made by the staff. 
And I've always, and that's always amused me too. Like I've had coaches, including Tony Dungeon, I made a suggestion about like, you know, well, so-and-so should be starting. And it's like, yeah, yeah, he probably should. But why isn't he? Well, because the position coach, you know, like they leave a lot of things up to people. And I don't know, it seems pretty obvious to me that, and I, listen, Leonard Fournette is a, is a beast. He's a monster of a guy. He plays with Im- immense effort and mm-hmm. heart. And man, does he take a lot of hits. He also runs to contact. He's also a guy that I don't think has the greatest vision in the world in terms of like picking your way through holes and things like that. Outstanding running back, all that aside, there's room for more than one in the league. Very few people just ride one bell cow guy. And if he's going to be on the team, if you're going to spend draft capital, hell, you might as well play the dude. And I know that it's, you know, Brady has said it. And I think he might have said it on his podcast on Monday, you know, that. The, the trust you have in older players. You know, they're talking about Cole Beasley. Like, Cole Beasley was all excited to play, you know, but on a critical fourth fourth down, he made a big play. And, you know, Brady just wants to know he can count on, so. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So as the Bucks head to Miami, the Tampa Bay Rays are in Cleveland to begin a series tonight against the Guardians. You got it and right. St- That's good. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so close to saying the other name. Uh, that Red Wolves. No, that's Indians. No, that's Arkansas State. I get all confused. Um, but yeah, the Guardians. And then they're, they're as we as we do this podcast, they're like two, two and a half games out of the top wild card spot. They're two. Uh, actually, now they're three back because Toronto beat. Uh, oh, they're three. Oh, wow. The Yankees. Okay. On um, on Monday night, so and we got ten to play. Am I correct? Nine to play. Nine to play. Wow. So it's going to be tough. So we were talking about this at the game over the weekend, the Rays game. Yeah. So Cleveland right now is hot. They actually have a better record than the Rays and the Mariners. You know, for a while everyone was like, "Oh, you want to play the you want to play the Guardians in the you want to play Cleveland, yeah." So would you rather, assuming Toronto takes the top wild card and they're in a controlling position, they should, at this point, yeah. Would you rather go to Toronto or would you rather go to Cleveland? I think I'd rather go to, to Cleveland, I think. Well, you know Toronto well, and you won the season series. Right. You play them pretty well, generally. Right. But I actually looked ahead. So I would rather go to Cleveland and be the third wild card instead of second. And the reason is your second-round matchups against New York. Where if you're the top wild card, the Toronto matchup, Toronto and whoever they play, that winner would go to play Houston. Mm. And I don't think I want to play Houston. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think they're hands down the best team in the American League this year. Yeah, and they beat these guys up just yeah. a couple days ago. So I'd rather, and they're gonna they're gonna face off uh, again this weekend mm-hmm. in Houston. So I'd rather go to. To New York, I'd rather wait for Houston until the ALCS if you have to. 
Well, it's going to be. I mean, yeah. listen, I thought the, the catch word was tank for, for Terry, wasn't it, or something like that? Uh, yeah, something like that, yeah. yeah. Now, the Orioles are only... Tank for Tito. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's it. The Orioles are only four and a half behind the Rays at this point, and they're winning tonight. Not impossible. So that would put them four games back of the Rays with nine to play. Not impossible. And Seattle's right there, too. The Rays are a half game ahead of Seattle right now. Yeah, and Seattle has got some really top pitching. They do, but they've got Eugenio Suarez and uh, Julio Rodriguez both on the IL now. They've got the weaker schedule to play, but they've got some, some big-name players some big now. big pieces missing, yeah. But the Rays, and, and you know, we didn't talk a lot about this because you guys were at the game yesterday, but Brendan Lau out for the season now. Shane Boz having Tommy John out for next season. You're hoping to get him back for spring training 2024. It's terrible, by the way. Jeez. You know, that can this offense do enough in the playoffs without Brendan Lau in there now? Well, they pretty much have had to do whatever it is they're going to do without him all year. Mm-hmm. But I you're mean, going against miss- better pitching staffs in the playoffs, presumably. Yeah. Look, I don't, I don't think this team is going to hit in the postseason. I haven't seen it. I don't know what would make you think it's going to happen. I think Wander Franco and Rosarena are just kind of those players that will produce. Mm-hmm. I think Yandy Diaz has to produce bright. in the playoffs. But I don't know who else will. I don't know Honestly who will, God. but he's got to. If he doesn't produce, I don't think they have a shot in the postseason. You mean Randy? No, Yandy. Rand, oh, Yandy I mean, Randy Diaz. and Wander yeah. are. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I would include him in that list. But, yes. but I mean, you know, Wander and Randy hit last year. Randy, of course, hit the year before. Yeah, but Yandy cannot disappear now. No. The no. year he's had? No. No way. He's got to step up and hit. Yeah, he's got to do what he's been doing all season long. If he doesn't at least you know do that and get on base and mm-hmm. start some innings, I, that, that would be horrific because he's had such a good year. Fantastic season at the plate. And the other thing over the weekend that happened to the Rays is on Saturday, all of a sudden the Rays rolled out a tribute video to Kevin Kiermeyer. You sent me that, and I got to thinking about it, and it's like, wow, like, Kiermaier must have been in on the gig, right? They, mean, like, they asked him ahead of time. They wanted to honor him. Yeah. And he was touched by it and, and honored that they would want to honor him. Right. But it, 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 nobody was expecting it. It was like, we all kind of looked at each other like, what? <laughs> Saying goodbye? And, and granted, you know, he's, he's under contract for, well, sort of. There's a They're club not going to pick up his option, right? There's a we know $13 that. million dollar option for next year. Yeah, there's no way. Or a $2.5 million buyout. What you could do is you could either buy him out, pay him $2.5 million, and he's done. And then re-sign him, yeah. Or you could negotiate with him and say, hey, come back for two years, twelve mil. Yeah. Somewhere in that range. Would he want to do that? Would he want to stay here? And would the Rays want him to stay here? I, think, I don't know. I think if he stays here, a couple things have to happen. You're either probably trading a Jose Siri at that point, and you're going to stay with Kevin Kiermaier there. I'm not trading Siri. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And the other part that probably has to happen is Kevin Kiermaier's got to agree that he's not only going to play center field. There are times you're going well, to put like him that. in left or right. Yeah, I like that. And I don't know if he's willing to do it. I have no clue. Assuming he wants to stay here, assuming you don't find someone that's willing to pay him a lot of money, to where he says, hey, I got to go, man. This team wants to pay yeah. me $13 million. You're going right. to offer me 13 for two. I got to go. 
You know, I don't know what he's thinking. But if I'm the Rays, I mean, you've got a Rosarinas in your outfield. You've got Margot. You've got Siri. You've got Josh Lowe, who you're still high on. Didn't have the best season this year, but right. But you're still very high on him. You know, you're adding. If you add Kiermaier to that lineup, you still got Harold Ramirez. You know, where's everyone fit in? Right. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it felt like goodbye. Kevin Kiermaier said it was they wanted to honor me, and I was touched, and so I said yes. Mm-hmm. But it sure felt like a goodbye video. Well, you know, maybe just because it caught guess, by I'm, surprise. I'm guessing Kiermaier has more baseball in him, but I'll say this: I don't think it was an accident. If he doesn't. He was up in the broadcast booth the other night with Dwayne Stats mm-hmm. and Brian Anderson, and you know what? It wasn't bad. I mean, they were more or less interviewing him, but he mm-hmm. had some stuff to say. And, you know, he's got the look and the, you know, McDreamy eyes and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I could easily see him slipping in as a broadcaster someplace. Now, whether that's next year or not, I can't really say because I don't know. But I wouldn't, but you, mm-hmm. I'm convinced he could do it. Yeah, and the other part of it, too, and, and I, I agree he probably could, is that I joked, but they didn't. I said, when's the Mike Zanino tribute video coming? <laughs> That's right. Now, granted, he hasn't been around nearly as long as Kevin Kiermaier. But yeah, he is a, but come but on, he, he is a free agent at the end of the year. He's not – there's no option. He's a there's free There's no agent. option. you gotta, you got to bid on him, yeah. yeah. Now, I, you know, I, I think there's a good chance they bring him back, although, to be honest – Francisco Mejia and Christian Bethencourt have done very well the second half of the season. They've done extremely well, and I've been impressed by their defense. Well, and that's what's really stepped up, even throwing out base runners, too. Like, Mejia totally, wasn't yeah. very good at it, and all of a sudden he's gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and how he's handled the pitching staff has been great, too. So, I mean, yep. I think they want to bring Zanino back, but I, I also think they're going, huh, we got some options here. Right, right. You know, so it's, it'll be interesting what the what the Rays do this off season, but hopefully, it's after a long postseason, of course. Well, and that's I don't know where where I would get nervous as a Rays fan would be like, show me you can hit in the postseason, like I, and not just one guy, right? A Rosarena mm-hmm. lifted them, you know, all to the world, all the way, uh, you know, to the World Series, but show me you can do it consistently. And they haven't scored runs consistently all year. And when you get in the postseason, you're playing teams that have not one, not two, but three really, really quality starters. And so, you know, that that's the part that I'm, you know, and, and really Shane McClanahan is, is starting to lose some, you know, velocity. He's not throwing strikes lately. Um, I don't know that he's going to be as electric as, as he once was earlier in the season. I just got questions about him this year. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. But you know what? Maybe that's maybe that's what they need is people to doubt them, mm-hmm. and and to say, yeah, you guys really aren't going to do anything, right? And then boom, maybe they'll put it together. I don't know. I mean, Drew Rasmussen pitched well Saturday. Took the loss, unfortunately. Yeah. Gave up one. Yeah, run. he pitched well. Gave one run, but you went against Alec Manoa, right? Who's been phenomenal this year. Hmm. But yeah, that was a disappointing series against the Blue Jays because you you took the first two. Right. And you're just like, we just need one of the next two. Mm-hmm. And you lost Saturday against Manoa. It was a close game. You're like, okay, no problem. And Manoa's then Shane McClan- got him before. Yeah, Shane yeah. McClanahan went out and, and didn't pitch very well. Right. Yeah, some, some important decisions that the Rays will have to make, and we'll see what happens with Kevin Kiermaier and just, you know, them going forward uh, throughout the rest of the regular season. They're going to be on the road for a while. I know that, speaking of, 
you know, back evacuations and like that. Mark Tompkin batting down the hatches on his condo on St. Pete Beach, and he's off uh, to places with the Rays. So hope everything stays safe with him. And we want you to stay safe as well, and we want you to save money on your electric bill. And you can do that by calling our friends at May Electric Solar. They've been in business 12 years. Uh, they will give you a 30-year labor warranty and service warranty, $750 worth of service protection. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. Schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. Get your mailbag questions in to us. Uh, we will have time for those uh, tomorrow. And, and then, of course, later in the week, we're going to talk to Matt Baker uh, all about college football and you know, maybe some wobbly coaches starting to shape up around college football as well. Maybe one right here at USF. I'm not sure what's going on with Jeff Scott, but uh, he's got a big game against East Carolina that they need to win. So we will do that. We'll also follow the Bucks and their doings down in Miami. In the meantime, stay safe from the storm. Make sure that uh, you're out of harm's way. Evacuate if they tell you to. And we want you right back here on Sports Day Tampa Bay tomorrow. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stratt of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 